0: Hi again, everyone. This is Stuart Gandolf, Chief Executive Officer and Creative Director of Healthcare Success. Today, I am again interviewing our friend and uh, respected colleague, uh, James Merlino, Dr. James Merlino. He's the Chief Experience Officer of Cleveland Clinic. And uh, Jim has written a new book and that I'm really excited about and, in fact, have given this away to clients because I think it's such an important read. And the name of the book is Service Fanatics, How to Build Superior patient experience the cleveland clinic way and i'm going to introduce him in a moment uh, his new book is uh, in my opinion really required reading for the people who read our newsletter and really anybody who's interested in driving positive organizational change in the quest for patient experience in healthcare. as you of course know cleveland clinic has long been recognized for driving some of the best clinical outcomes in the nation but there was a time uh when this uh very revered organization, was ranked among the lowest in the country in customer service. Within 10 years, however, it has climbed to be among the highest uh, and uh, best-ranked hospital for patient experience and has emerged as a thought leader in this space. Service Fanatics reveals strategies and tactics that the Cleveland Clinic applied to become a leading patient experience healthcare organization. And the methods that are contained within the book really translate, in my opinion, to any business that's really seeking to improve its customer experience. So welcome, Jim. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Stuart. It's really terrific to be back on your uh, radio.
0: So the the first question I would like to ask you, uh, we talked about um, cultural change and, you know, what's involved with that. And really, in any organization, it's, it's really hard. And Uh, Whether or not you're in healthcare, if you can imagine the Cleveland Clinic with its history and uh, uh, being around for so long and being so highly respected, changing culture is hard. Uh, Tell us why you wrote this book and and, uh, why it matters, I guess.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. You know, the old adage is that culture eats strategy for lunch every single day. And, you know, people talk about how difficult cultures can be and how difficult it is to action them. And I think it's really critical to, to recognize that in healthcare, if you're going to be successful at driving uh, improvements around how you deliver safety, how you ensure high quality outcomes, how you do that in an environment that's patient and family centered, and ultimately how you uh, bring those three things together to drive better value, you have to recognize that it is about the people, and those people need to be aligned around the mission of the organization and, and and frankly, have the ability to really think about putting the patient at the center of everything they do. And so as you think about improvement strategies and, and, and tactics, you really have to figure out and understand how you're going to impact the culture to drive towards, you know, those goals.
0: Now, one of the things I mentioned to you as I was raving to you about how much I like your book <laughs> was the fact that it was uh, – the tone of it – uh, got beneath the sort of veneer of health care, and it was very open and honest. And you shared with me some thoughts about that as well. I'd like you to share that with our audience.
1: Thanks, and, uh, and I appreciate the nice comments you have said about the book and, and the fact that you're reading it. I'm going to put you in the category with my mother. I think it's critical that when you're uh, trying to uh, relay information about your experiences to people, regardless of what that is, that you have an open discussion about you know, what has made you successful or you know, what has been the journey along the way. And, and when you read improvement papers, a lot of them, or even books, a lot of them only deal with the positive, what worked. And often I think we forget about what didn't work and the honest discussion of what it took to get to you know, working and success. And what I tried to do with this is you know, lift up the hood and really uh, show some dirty laundry and, and talk about the challenges that, that we faced as we you know tried to move forward with this because my sense is and I, and I think I make this comment actually I know I make this comment in the book that you know people look at the Cleveland clinic and as this this model is great healthcare organization but you know as I tell people when you lift up our hood we look the same as any other healthcare organization we all have the same challenges uh, we're all dealing with the same uh, risk in the environment we all take care of people and so, you know, we're all facing the same challenges as we try to improve, and I think it's important that we level the playing field and let people see the good and the bad as well as, you know, the success along the journey.
0: So one of the things that makes this challenge uh, difficult is the fact that doctors being a primary element in the formula to success um, can be, and in your case were, and initially in a, a major barrier to change. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Doctors are a double-edged sword in healthcare. Number one, you can't have healthcare without them, which is obvious. Uh, number two, you can't improve healthcare without their engagement. Uh, and the other side of the sword is sometimes they can be the biggest barrier to really improvement. And so you have to figure out strategies to engage them along the process so that they're helping you drive change. And at the same time, you've got to level some of the cultural attributes. You've got to get healthcare away from this issue that the doctors are the most important people. So you have to engage them, and at the same time, get them to recognize that they're no longer the the, the top of the pyramid. And the reason I say that is 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 because everybody in healthcare is important. You know, today, we take care of very complicated sick patients, and it's no longer an individual sport. It is a team sport of highly qualified professionals, some are doctors, some are nurses, other healthcare professionals that really come together to deliver what we call healthcare today. And while doctors are very important, they're not the most important. Everybody's important. And so people need to realize that and the physicians need to realize that this is a team sport. I had a physician tell me once that, uh, you know, Jim, you know, doctors are the engines of the organization. And I looked at him and I said, "That's absolutely true." He says, "But the problem is the plane can't fly without the wings, and so it takes a lot of pieces to really be successful." And on the other hand, uh, you know, they have to be involved because you can't drive organizational improvement around how you deliver health or how you care for patients unless you have the physicians who are the primary medical decision makers for the patient. So it's a balance uh, that you have to work across a double-edged sword to really be successful.
0: You know, one of the things that, you know, initially when we first started, you know, speaking at the summit a couple of years ago and getting to know you uh, better, that we talked about, you know, our experience in working with both hospitals and private practice doctors, uh, and we really have worked with, you know, personally, I've worked with over a thousand doctors over the years. Um, So one of the things we talked about was the whole idea of getting doctors to even pay attention to this. And I think I may have mentioned in a previous podcast, the whole idea of, uh, you know, I don't really uh, care if they like me. I just want to get them better. And that's not, you know, I'm not alone in getting that sort of feedback. And one of, on page uh, 109 here, you have a chart of five things that uh, I thought was really poignant on that term of why should physicians even really care about this topic. And I don't know if you have them memorized by heart, but I'll make it easy for you. You, you mentioned this is your uh, final slide of your presentations. It's the right thing to do. It's how you and your family would want to be treated the patient's perception of quality, it's the foundation of patient-centered care, and the government, and I just was curious if you had some thoughts to help our readers understand that.
1: Well, I think physicians are, as you know from your, your, you know, your years of experience in working with physicians, they're in different states of, of how they think about this and whether they accept it or not and how enthusiastic they are. And I think probably 90% of physicians pick out the top reason, which it's the right thing to do, and we have to get this better. Uh, and I think people pick that without a second thought as to other considerations, because at the end of the day, you know, physicians and other healthcare professionals, nurses, go into this because they want to take care of people. And I think people, physicians, professionals remain true to that mission. For the other 10%, for whatever reason, um, maybe they've slipped from uh, their purpose of wanting to go into medicine or frankly, because of the external issues that are impacting physicians today. Their life is changing, they're unhappy, it's driving down engagement. You know, they need to think about other reasons why this would be important. And and what I tell people is, look, you you should think about this because of the right reasons, which is, it's the right thing to do, and if it were you or your family, you know, you would care deeply about this. But, you know, if 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 you can't latch on to that, which I think are really the only two that should really be on that slide, if you get to the bottom, you have to consider that this is your reality now. You don't have a choice because the government is coming in, has come in, the regulators and payers are coming in, frankly, and saying, "Look, we need to fix this. It needs to get better." And so it's no longer a choice. Is if we are going to get better and if we're going to work together to do it, you have to do it. Otherwise you know, you're not going to be practicing in American medicine today. So uh, that's what that is about and and when you talk to physicians about it, as I said, most of them get it. They understand
0: it because that's why they went into medicine to begin with. It's very exciting. I was talking offline with Sam our editor prior to this call, and I remember when I was uh a you know, a kid, the sort of stereotype of people that were successful or, you know, rich or whatever was to be very sort of uh mean to waiters <laughs> or to look down on the people that were the service people and that's changed in our country and now uh certainly a lot of people taking this outside of healthcare for a moment uh it's uh almost a faux pas to be rude to a waiter and I would say it actually is a faux pas impolite company to be rude to the people that are serving and i think that that cultural shift in medicine where doctors were actually trained to not get close. And this still comes up, by the way. This came up in conversation a couple of days ago at our seminar where one of the doctors actually talked about being trained not to get close uh, to patients. Um, That's changing, and I think that's exciting. Um, Do you see this, uh, you know, beyond the trend of – I guess, with Cleveland Clinic taking such a thought leadership role, do you feel like this is just sort of popping up everywhere? How would you view the state of patient experience today based upon your experience?
1: I think it's gaining tremendous momentum. I think that it's improving across the country. It's getting traction, actually, across the world for different reasons, but different governments are starting to take on what the the United States model is and are paying more attention to it. And, And I think it is important, getting back to your point about how you know, physicians and others were trained to be detached. I think it's important to recognize that that's not right. You know, we we hide under that kind of umbrella and say, we don't want to get close to our patients because it will really cloud our objectivity and our ability to take care of them. But but the reality is it doesn't cloud our objectivity. We're professionals. We should be able to get past that. And I think that it enhances our ability to take care of them because we're providing something where we typically fall down on, which is the whole you know humanistic side of medicine and the empathetic side of medicine. So I think it's important that clinicians and healthcare professionals recognize that they can develop relationships and not sacrifice their objectivity in how they're delivering medical care. And by the way, patients want that. And studies show, and I talk about it in the book, that when patients feel and and believe that their healthcare providers have a personal connection to them, that the healthcare provider will actually deliver safer care and better care because they feel that they will treat them like they're they're a family member. So it's not just about being the right thing to do because it gets to better humanistic care and compassionate care, but patients want it. So I think we have to get over this, you know, 100 years of medical training that you can't get involved, you've got to be detached. Because I just personally I don't feel it's right, and I think if you ask any patient, they will tell you the same
0: thing. Uh, That totally makes sense to me. And And it's funny, I was just thinking as you were talking about, you know, if you were to ask me the most exciting changes in healthcare, from my perspective, this is probably tops the list. It's not about new machines and new technology, it's not about new applications that are on your iPhone, which is all great. <laughs> We've seen those talks, I'm sure you have too. But the trend towards patient experience is just huge.
1: Correct. And, and I don't think that you know we can get into the most advanced technological solution to deliver uh, care and healing to people, but I don't think anybody ever is going... Patients are not going to lose their desire to be cared for as a human being regardless of how great technolo- technology advances.
0: A couple more quick questions. Um, our, you, we share, you, you gave me an anecdote because so I asked you about this before we got online. I, I sent... Uh, your book to our clients, and actually, by the time, hopefully, they'll receive the book before they hear the podcast. <laughs> but um, anyway, as holiday gifts for our clients, because I thought it was such a you know, who needs another fruit basket or another box of chocolates, right? And in healthcare, um, so I, I thought it was a great gift, and it's because I feel like you know, our job is uh, marketing, which is a pretty broad topic, and I just thought it was so vital. And so we sent this to our clients, who both include. You know, we have some corporate clients, we have some hospitals, but we also have private practice doctors. And for, I think that it's pretty obvious to the hospital clients and the people that are working with corporate, uh, on the corporate side, to get why this matters. But I can imagine some private practitioners that, you know, some of whom may be listening to this call or people who work for private practices being very skeptical and thinking, well, that's all fine for Cleveland Clinic. What does that mean here in River City? And you, you uh, shared with me some of your comments about that I thought would be useful for our readers and listeners. Yeah,
1: I think the private practice docs, first of all, it's important for any industry. You know, if you think about how we embrace our customers and build strategies to support them, I mean, that should be primary for any organization that has customers. And I know that, you know, when I mention customers in a healthcare setting in place of patients, everybody gets all upset because so they're not customers, they're patients. Well, let me tell you something you know in today's environment of rising healthcare consumerism they are our patients are our customers before they become our patients and we have to think about ways that are going to impact those people and i got to tell you everybody wants our customers so the idea that this becomes a competitive differentiator for our industry is critically important and we should be thinking about that i think private practice docs in some cases actually have a little bit of a benefit being farther ahead on this because if you think about the model, private practice docs are successful because they drive towards patient-centeredness because their whole referral model is based on the relationships that they build with other physicians and making sure that their patients feel that they're being cared for in a patient-centered fashion. So I I think private practice physicians may actually have a little bit of an edge on Uh, some large groups or uh, academic medical centers where they just expect patients to come because they have the brand of academic medicine. So I actually learned a lot from uh, our private practice partners in the community
0: about how to really drive better customer centricity. But if a private practice doctor says something to you like, well, sure, it's easy for you. You can just tell people, the doctors, to be good. (laughs) What would be your response to that?
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I get that question a lot when I talk to private practice doctors about how do you drive organizational change and improvement. And they'll push back on me and say, "Sure, you can do that because you know all of your doctors are employed." And you know, my pushback right to them is like, you know, just because we employ three thousand doctors, anybody in the audience who thinks they'll stand up and salute when we tell them to is on crack. It just doesn't happen. You know, it is all in a, a negotiation. It is an education process. It is an engagement to get people to understand why it's important, elicit their help in driving to change, and building momentum to move forward. So whether you are employed as a physician or whether you are part of a big group or whether you're out there all by yourself, you know, the, the strategies for engagement to get people to come along and recognize this, I think, you know, with some nuances that might be different are generally the same.
0: Terrific. One last question uh, You know, the hospital leaders are talking about patient experience and uh, some doctors are talking about it, uh, but, you know, most people don't really have a clear plan or a path toward achieving that goal. I think, you know, I can just tell you that, as I mentioned at the opening, seriously, I believe this is required reading, this book. Um, but in addition to your book, what would be the next steps that hospitals or other providers should take to get to the next level?
1: I think that often where hospitals and providers have trouble is really where they start. And, and there's, they often are out running with a lot of different tactics. But what they should really do is step back and evaluate how they're messaging this. And what I mean by that is the top person in the organization needs to set the agenda. And he or she should be saying, look, it is about how we think about delivering what we do for patients. So they really have to make this idea of patient centricity, patient experience a top strategic priority because I think underpinning the sustainability for any change in their organization around an initiative like this must be linked back to how the leader is talking about it and ensuring that the leaders across the organization are driving it. So that's the first thing that I would say they need to do. And the second thing they need to do is they need to define it, that that patient experience is not about making patients happy it is not about satisfaction that in fact this is about the delivery of care and it impacts how we improve our culture to deliver safe care high quality care in an environment where patients and families are satisfied that's the patient experience and I think that any organization that is trying to drive change and sustain change needs to set it as a strategic priority and defining why it's important and what it is
0: terrific Um, So thank you again for being on our interview, Jim. It's always a pleasure to uh, talk to you about uh, the the kinds of activities you're up to. And I think that uh, what I'm going to for sure do is beyond uh, buying this book for for our clients, we'll be linking to it and encouraging people to read it because I just think it's such a great thing. So thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again after the first of the year. Stuart, Thank you very much. I always enjoy talking with you about this topic. Thanks so
1: much.